0: Well, what's up, Crossroads? How are you doing today? So good to see you guys. Hey, do we have some parents here today? Let me see all the parents. Raise their hand for just a moment. All right. The rest of you, look around at these parents, and uh, would you pray for them? God bless you, all your parents. You know, I hope this hour will bless you as you can uh, sit back and enjoy at least a child-free hour here, you know, free of charge, right? Second, do we have any people here who don't have kids today? You're not a parent. Would you raise your hands? All right, thank you. Keep those hands up for just a thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here. Again, we need your prayers. But also, let me encourage you don't check out. Just because you're not a parent doesn't mean God's not going to speak to you today. In fact, you may be here exactly for what something God wants to say through me to you today. So don't check out. And any grandparents here today, any proud grandparents, let me see those hands. Man, you guys are just loving being grandparents, aren't you? You're just sitting back laughing at your kids, aren't you? Well, I mean, you're like, yeah, payback. Now you know what I went through with you. I know my parents are. Well, I want to reassure you up front I'm not one of those pastors who's going to get up here and speak to you as some big expert on parenting. I'm not going to make you feel out cruddy and guilty when you leave, because I just want to be honest up front. I am a fellow struggler with you. I'm still trying to figure some things out. I have a 14-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 25-year-old, and they're all so different. And I'm still, you know, trying to figure some stuff out. I'm still trying to make up for some stuff I got wrong. I'm still trying to learn. And maybe you're going to leave today and go, well, at least I'm doing better than Pastor Dwayne. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm here to serve. All right? I, I, I have to be honest, nothing, nothing has humbled, blessed, challenged, and frustrated me more than building a great marriage and more than parenting. Can I get any amens on that? <laughs> it's frustrating, but it's also a blessing, right? And I want to talk to you a little bit about parenting. now. I don't know why we think, you know, like this couple in the video, oh, I got this figured out. I'm going to, you know, copy all the good things my parents did and everything they did wrong I will never do. You know, I, won't, I when I was a kid, I used to think, man, why are my parents, why are they so tough about this? So tough? When I'm a parent, I'm going to do it this way. Why? And, and just this week, my wife Jennifer and I were sitting in our living room after the kids were all finally asleep and we're going, why is this so hard? why is this so hard? Why is this so frustrating? Why is this so challenging? And I don't know why we expect it to be easy, why we think we're going to be better. I mean, have you ever really thought about it from God's perspective? I mean, our heavenly father, he created Adam and Eve. First thing he said was, oh, it's very good. But what was the next thing he said? Don't. And Adam was like, don't what? God said, don't eat the forbidden fruit. Adam's like, forbidden fruit? we got forbidden fruit. Eve, guess what? We've got forbidden fruit. Eve's like, no way. Adam's like, yeah, way. And God said, don't eat it. And a little bit later, what happens? God saw his children having an apple break, and he was ticked. He said, didn't I tell you not to eat that fruit? Adam said, um, yeah, but, but she started it. Did not, did too. Did not, did too. You lived through that in your house? Well, God was, God was so ticked, he said, your punishment is from now on, you're going to have to have children of your own. And that's how we got here today, right? Well, That's not really quite how it happened. I'm reading between the lines, a little loose interpretation there. But, you know, God, from the beginning, he created his children, his people to love and cherish and relate with. And he had problems right off the bat. And if it's so hard, have you ever wondered, why did God create us? If, we, if, we're so, if life is so challenging and people mess things up so much, why did God create us? Because the Bible's very clear at the top of your outline. I hope you'll take that out and follow along and take some notes. The Bible's very clear from the beginning that God created mankind in his own image. Men and women were made, made uniquely in God's image. Male and female, he created them. And why? Why did God make us? Do you have like was he incomplete somehow without us? Was he, was he sitting around and, you know, kind of bored with nothing to do? Or, or maybe like the kid who wants to order the sea monkeys on the back of the comic book. Did he think, I'll just make some humans and, and I got some entertainment there to watch on the earth? No. God didn't need us, but he wanted us. He wanted a relationship with us. And he created you and me for a purpose. He created us for a purpose. First, we need to understand in Colossians 1. Oh, that's your first fill in there, by the way. God created us for a purpose. In Colossians 1, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. All things have been created through Him and for Him. Would you underline that phrase, for Him? You were created for God. We're made in his image. You're created for God. Sometimes we get the the misunderstanding that God is there just for us. We want God to be like our personal genie when we're in trouble or we need something. We call out, God, would you help me? But then the rest of the time, we just go on and live life our own way. I mean, you just watch a baby and a young child. I mean, they think everything in the world revolves around them. Kind of you know, we get, and we can get that backwards, and it it can mess us up a little bit. We were created for God. Now, He loves us. He wants to bless us. He wants us to, us to have a good life as we follow and relate to Him, but we were made for God, for His purpose. We get things backwards. We get in trouble. It's kind of like the story I, I heard about this guy. He was running this boat rental concession stand at a lake, you know, where you rent the boats, and you go out for a couple hours, And uh, he had a lot of customers waiting, all the boats were out, and so the manager went down by the lake, he took out his megaphone and he said, hey, boat number 99, it's time to come in now. Your time is up. He went back to his office, looked out, the people didn't come in. He goes back out again, hey, boat number 99, it's time to come in. If you don't come in, I'm going to charge you overtime. Well, while he's waiting with his hands on his hip, his assistant walks up and says, hey, boss." I think we got a problem. We only have 75 boats. We don't have a 99." Boss being the smart guy that he was, he thought it over for a minute and he goes, boat number 66, are you having some trouble out there? Get things a little upside down, right? I don't know. Maybe that's, if you didn't understand it, ask your neighbor. I think that's funny. We get things backwards. And God made us so he could have fellowship with us, so he could have a relationship with us. We were made in his image. Nothing else God made or created is uniquely made in his image. And God wanted to create beings who could choose whether or not they're going to respond to God. He created us with this freedom. Now, the best analogy I could come up with, I don't think it's... Sometimes analogies are, are a little weak, but I don't know. Maybe it's kind of like when parents decide they want to have kids. I mean, you don't have to have kids to be complete. Why do parents want to have kids? They want someone to love and raise and cherish and enjoy. I mean, maybe it's like getting a pet. Why do you get a pet? Do you need a pet? No. But we want something to love and care for and enjoy. And God created you to be in relationship with him, to have a family. He wants to love you and bless you and lead you. And he wants you to choose to follow him and be a part of his family. But the Bible's very clear. Every one of us in this room, at some point in our life, we choose to turn our back on God and go our own way. We all sin, and it breaks that relationship. It breaks that family relationship. But God knew that would happen, and he created us anyway because he wanted to love us. He wanted to show himself to us, and he wanted us to respond to him. And number one on your outline, he wanted to adopt me. He wanted to adopt you into his family. I love how the message puts this in Ephesians 1. It says, long before God laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. Can you underline that phrase, as the focus of his love? God didn't need you, but he wanted you. And even though we walked away, we broke that relationship, God knew what we were going to do. He chose us, and he had a plan to send Jesus so that we could be forgiven. And I don't want us to just gloss over that. Think about that for a moment. God, the creator and ruler of the universe, he had you in mind before he even created the earth. He was dreaming of the day you would be born into this world. And I want you to just just say that with me. Just say, God chose me. Would you say that? God chose me. Sometimes I don't think we feel very special or very important, but God loves you. He chose you. He created you for a purpose, and he has a plan for you. As his child, He wants, when you put your faith in Christ, you're adopted into his family, and then he created us to become like Christ. He wants to raise us up to become like Christ, number two, to become like Christ. God has a purpose and a plan for your life, He knows that if you become more like Christ, you're going to be happier and healthier. Your relationships are going to be better. And so God's at work as your heavenly father to shape you and to mold you. God chose them, his people, to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Did you underline that phrase, to become like his son? What does it look like to become like Jesus? What does that look like? In a nutshell as you become more and more like Jesus, your life will be marked more and more by love. As you become more and more like Jesus, your life will be marked more and more by love. That's what spiritual maturity is. It's not knowing all the Bible. Knowing all the Bible is important. Learning about the Bible, understanding God's word and purpose, teaches us more about God and more about relationships. But really, God's ultimate plan and desire for your life is that you would love him and love others. Says it right there. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, the the teachers of the law, they wanted to challenge Jesus. What's the most important command? And he said, man, all the commands basically support these two. All of them fall under these two. Love God and love others. And then God didn't didn't create us just just for that relationship. But he had a purpose for us to accomplish here as we become more like Christ. He called us to participate in his plan, to grow his family. And so number three, he called us to proclaim his praise. See, God created us to adopt us into his family, to make us like Christ, to to restore us from the effects of sin on our lives. And then he wants us to proclaim his praise to others. And you might be going, what does this have to do with parenting? Just like we're God's children, God's made us in his image, and he wants us to raise our children to, to love Christ, to love others, to live their lives on purpose, to proclaim his praise. When we proclaim God's praise, it blesses him, and it blesses others. First, we do it by the way we live. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has a part for you to play, an important role for you to play in growing his family and in helping adopt other people back into his family. And I want to ask you, have you discovered your purpose? What did God make you to do? If you haven't found out what your role is in the the body of Christ and the family of God, I would encourage you to, to check out the growth track. Week four talks about discovering your purpose. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But find your purpose. And then in Isaiah, God says this, I want to gather. He says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. And God wants us to worship him. It's good for us. It blesses me when I gather and worship with my brothers and sisters, and it blesses his heart. But also he wants us to proclaim his praise to those who don't know him, to those who are outside his family so that he can adopt them. And so this is why God created us, is His purpose, and I think it should be our ultimate purpose as we're raising our kids. Sometimes we, I think our goal for our kids, of course we want them to be healthy, we want them to be happy, we hope they'll know God, but sometimes we put some other things in there, like I want my kids to be successful, and by successful I mean wealthy. I want them to have a great education and live in a better neighborhood than me and have a better job. And you know, sometimes God's purpose for your kids gets lost in that. Those aren't bad things, but my first goal should be helping my kids to discover their purpose. What did God make them for? Helping them to become more like Christ, to love him, and to become a part of God's family. And whatever they do, whatever job they have, it doesn't matter as long as they're living for God and living for his purpose. And so how do we do this? How do we help raise our kids up to do this? I I don't have time to, to share everything about parenting, but I want to hit some key things you can't do it without. First thing on your outline is you have to exercise unfailing love. Unfailing love. You know, we live in a world where sooner or later, everybody we love and care about, they disappoint us. They let us down. And we need to help our children connect with God, and we need to reflect that in our lives. You know, I've tried to communicate to my kids, I may not like everything you do, but I'm going to love you. I love you so much. I care about you. I'm always there for you. Even when you blow it, I've blown it, and God accepted me and forgiven me, and you're going to blow it, and I'm there for you. And look at this beautiful picture. The Bible's full of pictures of God's unfailing love for us. This is like a model for us. You know, in Psalm 103, it says, the Lord, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry. Does that sound like a good parenting principle right there? slow to get angry. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He's removed our sins as far as from the east to the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him for he knows how weak we are. He understands how hard it is for us. You know, the Bible says Jesus, Jesus was tempted in every way we are, but he was without sin. He knows how tough it is. And here's the thing. The more we experience God's love and his unfailing love in our life, the more we allow his spirit to lead us and guide us and change us, the more that we will be full of God's love and the more we can share that or use that or parent our kids through that filter. Now, a couple things I want to just hit real quick about love. Let's don't forget our words, the power of our words words of affirmation and exhortation. We want to affirm our kids, and we want to challenge our kids. Ephesians 4 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Well, what's unwholesome talk? I mean, I think when you're thinking about that as a parent, it's any negative phrases that are like put-downs or tearing down your kids out of your frustration. When When you say things like, why can't you ever? What's wrong with you? How could you be so stupid? Are you an idiot? I see a few of you flinching. I mean, some of you can probably relate to that. Maybe that's how you were parented, your parents in their anger and their frustration. You know, sometimes we say things that get stuck in our kid's mind, and they grow up hearing that tape in the back of their mind over and over again. They feel like they're never good enough. Now, don't hear me wrong. You have to correct your kids, but you don't want to do it with unwholesome words. You want to do it in the right way. You have to be intentional about that. And I, I, I feel like I'm pretty good on that end, but the, the positive, saying the positive, I tell my kids I love them, but, but I don't always, I'm not always intentional enough about being specific about things that I'm proud of them about. I need to affirm them. You know, before Jesus began his ministry, when he was baptized in the, in the Jordan River, what did God say from heaven? He said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well-pleased. You know, you need to tell your kids, man, I'm so proud of you about this or about, and be specific. I know sometimes it's hard to be affirming when you're standing there with a bad report card, right? Or they're locked in their room, refusing to come to dinner because they can't get off their video game. I can't save right now. I can't come out. I've got to wait. Am I the only one who's ever heard that? <laughs> no, I can't stop. I can't stop. Or they've forgotten to do their chores again. Forgotten. Oh, Dad, I forgot. No, you didn't forget. You just didn't want to do it. Recently, I asked one of my kids to uh, come down and do his chore, put away the dishes. And he said, I don't feel like putting away the dishes. I was like, What? Do you know how many things I don't feel like doing every day? If I, if I only did what I wanted to do, we wouldn't be living in this house. And right now, you wouldn't be living in here with me? <laughs> no, that's what I was thinking. I didn't say that last part. I was <laughs> like, What? I don't feel like it. You don't live by your feelings, son. <laughs> but I have to affirm, what do you, when you see the good things, because it's so easy, you know, when your kids are little, you praise every little thing they do. Oh, look, he's crawling. Oh, my gosh, he stood up. I'm so excited. Oh, he's walking. But as they get older, you don't cheer for It's so easy to focus on the things they do that are wrong. We kind of lose that. Make sure you're, you're catching them doing good, and you're affirming them. I, I really like it when, it blesses me when you're so kind to your brother, when you help others, when you serve at church, whatever it is, Be specific. Think of it like a checking account, you want to make more emotional bank deposits than you take out. You want to be, be careful that you don't get caught up in this cycle of nagging them because you're not really following through on the consequences, so you keep saying the same thing over and over. You want to make sure that you're listening. So for kids, get, you know, it's not just the words you say, but making sure you listen to your kids in their heart. And uh, sometimes when we don't listen to our kids, they get very frustrated. And one of my boys, when we were, uh, he was doing good on the potty training, but he couldn't quite clean himself up well yet, but he, he could at least get it in the toilet, you know, we we're Yay! Uh, so we were all excited. But one day um, <clears throat> in the midst of his doing his business, somebody knocked on our door. My wife and I are at the door talking to some friends and i faintly heard a voice down the hallway, but I just kind of didn't really listen. I was kind of tuning it out. And after a few moments, here's what we heard. Would somebody wipe my butt? <laughs> oh, but we better get on that right now. A little embarrassing when our friends are too, right? See, so make sure you listen. You don't get so distracted by all the other things going on in the world that you don't take time to listen to your kids. 1 Thessalonians 2 says, We dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. I mean, we want to bless and encourage our kids. We also want to call them to do better, to, to go higher, to, go, to get better. It's like when you watch your kids playing sports. You want to encourage them on. Okay, words are very important. Another thing I want to just emphasize, because we're all so busy, is make sure you're intentional about taking time to play. And taking time to play with your kids. Psalm 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And you know, each kid is so different. You have to find out how to connect with them and how to play with them. I'm a little challenged because I didn't grow up with video games, so I, I'm not, it's kind of pointless and useless for me to try to play video games with my kids. They pick things up so fast or so nimble with their fingers, and, but I have to find things they like to do. Get them outside hiking or playing sports or disc golf or mini golf or whatever it might be. One of my kids likes to connect through watching certain TV shows, so we watch them and talk about it. They're all so different. i got to understand how they're wired and how they're made up. I remember uh, one, one of my kids, when I'd play with them, and, you know, you're out there throwing the ball, and they're little, and eventually they miss, and the ball hits them, and he'd start crying, or we're wrestling, and he'd jump over me and hit his head on something. And, you know, so the rule was, we play till you cry. <laughs> Sooner or later, I mean, I wasn't the one hurting him, let's be clear, but he'd hurt himself, so I was little. So this one, one of my kids would be like, oh, daddy, let's don't stop. I want to fight more. Let's keep playing. <laughs> Another kid, as soon as you throw in the baseball and he misses and it like hits his shin, you know how bad that hurts. I hate this game. I hate you. I never want to play again. And he, so this t- reaction is totally different, right? Totally opposite. Man, they were born to the same family. I don't understand how they could be so different. And you have to figure it out. Schedule it on your calendar. Block it out. Ecclesiastes says, so I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor for these are gifts from God. Make sure in the busyness of life and especially teenagers' schedules and all the places you're running around and your wife, if she works or you work, you know, and your schedules get all wacky, make sure you block some time off because if you don't, something else will fill it up. So true love is in expressing that unfailing love is so important but it's not the idea that anything goes. You have to have limits. That's number two. If true love. really, If you really love your kids, you're also going to have some limits. So there's love and limits. You set some boundaries or guardrails in life. You know, guardrails are along the road to keep you from driving into a ditch or over a cliff or into the oncoming traffic. You want to set some guardrails in your kids' lives to help protect them, to help keep them safe. My kids don't always understand the rules that we have. Why can't we play video games all day long? Why do we have to eat vegetables? Why do I have to do my homework? Why do I need to go to bed now? And on and on and on. They don't understand all those rules, right? I mean, I love playing with my kids and having fun and taking them on trips, but I do not enjoy enforcing the rules. I don't enjoy the discipline side. It's not fun to be the bad person, (laughs) the heavy sometimes. But if you don't have some limits... Your kids will hurt themselves. They won't grow up with some self-control. They won't grow up to be successful. And so we have to remember in our minds, you know, we have to have rules. We have to have love. Rules without relationships will breed rebellion. But relationships without rules (laughs) will build brats. So we want to build, like, good, healthy kids, right? And God says this to us in Hebrews 12. Starts off, it's not on on the outline there, but he says, "If, if a father loves his kid, he will discipline him. And he says, whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you, it means that you're not really his children at all. You're not really loved. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us. Can you underline that phrase? See, God's comparing himself to like a father. That's what we learn from God, how to parent. But his discipline is good for us. We don't always like it but it's good for us, so that we may share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way." Discipline is designed to produce a harvest of right living, of success. Now, punishment, punishment is when you want to make somebody pay for what they did. You're so angry, you just want to, you want to hurt them because they hurt you or they hurt somebody else. But discipline is an act of love. To promote growth and to remind them of the guardrails to get their attention. One of the Ten Commandments says, children obey your parents. And then it says it's the first commandment with a promise that if you do, you will live a long life full of blessing. If you teach your kids to obey you and they learn to obey God and they begin to follow God's guidelines and his rules, you know what? Your kids are going to be a lot more successful and happy. They're going to have better relationships with other people. They're going to be better at life, like in whatever they choose to do, work or home. They're going to be better with their finances. They're going to be healthier if they learn to obey. It's so important. And in Ephesians, Ephesians is an amazing book about the church and relationships and the family. One of my favorite books in the Bible it gives us some guidelines about it. And in Ephesians 6, it starts off talking about teaching your kids to obey. And it says, while you're doing this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, by the way you treat them. In other words, you don't want to provoke them to anger with harsh discipline, but you know what else is frustrating for kids? Is inconsistent discipline. You want to make the choices clear and the rewards and consequences, and you got to act on them. You, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm sure many of you have done what me and my wife have done. You, you make the consequences clear, but then you don't follow through, and then you're just nagging. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? Now you're frustrating them, right? should have just acted on it right away. Don't frustrate them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So we're, we're trained, we're told as parents that our job is not just to discipline our kids, not just to love our kids, but to train them in the instruction of the Lord, train them in the Bible and God's ways. And sometimes we feel a little inadequate because maybe we don't know the Bible as well as we wish we did. We don't know how to, how to help our kids. That's why it's so important we partner with you as your church family. We have great programs for your kids. But God wants you to take responsibility too. You know what I've had some, <coughs> had some parents tell me over the years? Yeah, you know, I, I don't really want to force my kids to believe in God. I'm letting them choose for their own. You know, they're like 8, 10, 12. I'm letting them choose for themselves whether they go to church or not. It's different when they get a little older. But I'm letting them choose for themselves. And I'm like, that's a big mistake. Do you let them figure everything else on their own? Like, hey, why don't you figure out what a healthy diet is? See if you survive that, kids. <laughs> what do you think a healthy diet is? Why don't you figure out your own, uh, what's a good bedtime for you? Why don't you figure out how much time you should be playing on, you know, on your video games? No, we have to give guidance, and in this area too. But it's hard as parents, because we're not always sure how to do it. So moms and dads, where do we get this kind of instruction where do we learn ourselves instruction from the Lord, how God wants to parent us, and where do we learn how to do this for our kids? Where do we get encouragement? See, again, it, goes, it always goes back to life groups. I don't know how that happens, but a couple weeks ago, we had the life group fair, right? Man, a lot of you guys signed up. A lot of you ate a lot of food out there too, but a lot of you guys signed up. You signed up, and then uh, quite a few of you didn't show up this past week. And uh, that's okay, but I'm here to urge you on Maybe you chickened out because you don't know the leader. You don't know the people. You don't know if you're going to fit in. If, if that's your case, I want to encourage you to kind of man up or woman up this week and walk through that door. Because I guarantee you those people are going to be glad you came. Maybe you were too busy. But let me tell you again. Let me encourage you. Fight for that time because you need that. You need other people around you to help you. To help you understand the instruction of the Lord. To encourage you as parents. To help you know, how maybe learn from their, each other's experience what's worked with their kids people to pray for you. Maybe you haven't found a group yet. Maybe you can't meet during the week. You want to go with your spouse, but you guys just can't get it together on the same night of the week. I got great news for you. We have someone starting a Saturday night couples group after the 530 service. We're Going to meet here on campus. Uh, Mario and Jenny Antione are going to start a group here, and if you'd like to meet them, they'll be in the lobby by the Welcome Center table after this service. Maybe you'd like to say, yeah, I'd like to try that out. We could fit that in our schedule. Man, they're going to have a couples group. They went through Pastor Paul's premarital counseling class. They thought that was so good to be with some other couples. They want to create that environment where you can learn from each other and encourage each other. They have kids, so meet, you can meet together and, and partner together. And in some of you, you really just don't know anybody. You're so nervous. You can't work up the courage to go to somebody else's group. Let me let you know that, or maybe you're not even sure you, you would like going to a group. I want to ask you, would you come to a group with me for four weeks? Wait, that's eight fingers. Four weeks. Would you come for four weeks starting in two Wednesdays on, on the 11th? We'll meet here at church. After four weeks, you're off the hook. I won't even guilt you. I I promise I won't guilt you about it, but come try it for four weeks. You kind of know me, so come and check it out. Meet some other people, see how you enjoy the experience. If you want to join one of those groups, you can write on your card, just write your communication card, write couples or Dwayne's group or whatever. And then finally, how do we help you in the instruction of the Lord? If you look on the back of your program, we have the growth track there for you growth tracking. So this is simple classes designed to give you the basics in your spiritual life. First of all, if you want to get baptized, man, 1130 today, we have the class that helps you make sure you understand what it means to have a relationship with Christ and what baptism is about, the Loving Christ class. 1130 today, you can go to that class next door in the classroom on the first floor in the lobby there. You can check it out. Uh, you You can find out. You can exercise that. Maybe you don't know how to read the Bible for yourself. You can go to Growing Spiritually. That'll be next weekend. And so this pattern just repeats every week. If you miss one, you can can jump in at any time and you can check it out. But let me encourage you to do that. That's designed to help you to understand the instruction of the Lord. Finding your purpose, resolving conflict. That will really help you as parents how how to resolve conflicts. So I want you to understand that we need love, our kids need love, and our kids need limits. You need love and you need limits. That's how God works in your life. And you could be great at loving your kids and giving them limits. But if you leave out number three, you're going to be in trouble. Number three is live it. You've got to live it out yourself. You've got to model it for your kids. Parents, can you say this? Can you say this to your kids? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I mean, can you say that about your life, that you're really working hard to follow your Heavenly Father? You know, most kids are great, most kids are not great listeners. Have you experienced that? Most kids are not great listeners, but you know what they're good at? They're great imitators. And they're going to imitate your life, what they see, how you live. You say one thing, we love God and we love people, but then they hear how you talk about people, they hear how you treat people, they see how you treat your husband or your wife. You've got to work on living it out yourself and obeying God. You know, one of the best things you can do for your kids is fight to build a strong marriage. When you get kids in the family, you begin to, your schedules get complicated. It begins to pull you apart sometimes. But one of the things your kids need more than anything is to know that mom and dad love each other. And you model, what does a loving relationship look like? Because one day, they're probably going to want to marry someone. And they're going to be following your example. They're going to be looking at you. You know, what happens inside the home, it's far more important than what our children encounter outside. Some very wise words from Stanley Ellis. What happens inside the home is so important. We worry about all the, all the bad influences on our kids outside the house. But if we're not doing our best, I'm not saying you're perfect, but if, we're not, if our kids don't see us trying our best to follow God and obey Him, you know, we want our kids to obey us without delay. When God asks you to do something, do you delay? Do you make excuses? Do you rationalize? Do you put it off? Because your kids, they see. We have to live it out. We have to do, we have to lead the way. I want to encourage you as we, we, we wrap up, because sometimes, I mean, some of you parents here, I mean, you, you may be struggling right now. You may have a rebellious child. You may have a child you don't know how to help, you don't know how to reach. I mean, I'm facing some challenges, my wife and I, and you're just struggling. And I want to remind you a couple things. First, God loves your kids even more than you do. God loves your kids. He made them for a relationship with him. And don't don't feel like you got to go through it alone. Second, you have a church family. You know, we're not a church family who judges parents who are struggling, believe me. We're fellow strugglers. We want to support you and encourage you. You have a church family that believes in you and believes in your kids, and we want to partner with you want to encourage you and be there for you and help you. And so, again, get connected. And then don't forget to pray. Don't forget to pray for your kids and ask for God's help. You know, ask God to help you to, to show your, His unconditional love to your kids. Ask God to help you to be consistent and wise in how you set limits. And ask God to give you a more soft heart towards Him so that you're quicker to obey and follow what He asks you to do. Well, could we pray together? God, right now for any, any parents here who are just really going through it, God, I, I pray you'd encourage them. You'd give them hope. Maybe they're just overwhelmed. I, I pray you'd just give them that conviction that if they, they get connected with some other parents who can encourage them and help them, some other people. God, remind them that you're at work in their kids' lives. God, sometimes our kids won't listen to us, and I pray that that you'll put the right people around my kids who who have a godly voice that can speak into their life. God, for anyone here who's still recovering from being poorly parented, God, would you help heal their hearts, heal their souls? God, help them to understand and see that you are a perfect Heavenly Father who loves them, who cares deeply about them, who's working for their good, even when we don't feel it, even when we can't see it. God, put the right people around each one of us to help us to stay in the fight. And God, I pray that we'd be a a place where we encourage each other and we love the kids. Over 200 kids here every weekend at Hayward and Fremont. God, help us to love them. Help us to partner together to raise them as, as a church family. In Christ's name we pray, amen.